<laughs> Hello universe! Kamusta bro? Hello universe! Oh, ayan na! What's up bro? Ano yan? Oh, nagsimula na, mukhang nagsimula na talaga ang World Cup sa, na hiyang sa Pilipino ah. Yan! Iba World hindi, Cup bro! Hindi, hindi, yung, hindi yung World Cup na hindi hiyang sa Pilipino kasi alam mo ang Pilipino Richard. Dalawang oras, siya nasa, dalawang oras siya nasa traffic araw-araw. Correct, correct. Hindi sila pwede maghintay ng dalawang oras para makakita ng score. Kailangan score lang. Or parang Jordan Clarkson. Tira lang ng tira, pare. Hanggang malapit-lapit ng konti yung, 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 yung final score. is the Filipino way, bro. Bro, I mean, come on. I hated the game with the Dominican Republic because parang, wait lang, parang katulad to ng football, sobrang dikit. Tight. Second quarter, tight. Third quarter, tight. All the way in middle of fourth quarter. Sabi ko, this is like football except mas anos. Sado masukis kasi marami kang gagay may slash and burn pero tayo pa rin di ba so I said it's it's everything that is, that is bad about football minus everything I love about football but bro how did you feel about it because they strong team no they beat Argentina yeah yeah I mean actually hindi hindi ako hindi ako nanonood ng live uh, party time difference also uh, partly because parang um I'm really an an NBA fan to be honest pero Jordan Clarkson is interesting because right. in the NBA, hindi yan makipagtapatan ng ganyan kay Carl Anthony Towns. Carl yeah. Anthony Towns is uh, is an all-star. Jordan yeah. Clarkson is kind of more of a six-man. Yeah. Um, he's that role, parang spark of the bench. Pero when you have him carrying his own team, yeah. parang nagbabago yung stats niya. Uh, I, I remember a couple of years back, somebody called him a discount Russell Westbrook. Um, oh. And actually, he did really look like a kind of. It does really when, when he's in the Philippines, he really kind of does look like a Russell Westbrook because Russell Westbrook, parang when he's leading a team, that's when he's the best because he has the ball, he's scoring, and that's what Jordan Clarkson is when it comes to the Philippines. Um, of course, yung Sadun is of course kinakarga lang yun yung yung team, and uh, I don't know what people. Points. Say. How how people there feel about you know us being carried by uh by an NBA player and Filipino American um of course a lot of people probably want more input from the PBA players but you know such such is life and such is such is the beauty of Jordan Clarkson's game I'm not man I'm not too fussed about but it. But the others played decent, no? I mean, uh, whether it's I mean Ramos had some some good three point shots. Um, I think Fajardo did much better. I I got so much bashing nung nag question mark lang ako nung lumabas si Fajardo sa lineup. I just ask a question kasi parang tanong ko ano Ronaldo Messi feels na you know what I'm saying still going strong, di ba? I'm a Joe veteran na eh. Ano uh-huh. about the Fajardo one? Ano 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 bakit bakit ka naman ito troll about? What came ito troll for that? Put question mark kasi I didn't even say anything and immediately people attach the most negative things to the mga Fajardo fans sabi niya stick to politics what kind of magbasketball like What's that supposed to mean? How does being a political analyst disqualify <laughs> na, you? Okay, pare. Lagi naman ginagawa sa iyo yan eh. Every yeah. time you talk about something, I mean, stick to your lane, exactly. Richard. Don't talk about Junmar. But Ayan. also, don't talk about the Central Bank. Ayan tayo. Ayun, Central oh. Bank, sayo na yun eh. Ayun, <laughs> tayong binabash doon, bro. No, but going back to this, bro. Bago tayo mag-ano, mga ipagbardagula na naman. No, I mean, going back to this, um... How did you feel about the Jotreyes coaching also? Because he, he got also a lot of reaction dun sa 
Kai Soto, who's kind of our hope, right? For for our first NBA guy. I don't know still the status there. You better know than me. Kasi pinaupo na siya after a quarter of two. Kasi parang hindi niya yata matapatan talaga si, ano eh, si Mark, uh, si Carl Anthony, di ba? So, I don't know. How do you feel about Chot Reyes also still? Parang mo matatapatan si Carl Anthony. Talaga, ang mamaw naman talaga si Carl Anthony. I think people, people kind of forget how... How good the guy is. And he's a two-pointer. And he's a two-pointer. Yeah, grabe yung, grabe yung outside shot niya. He, he has like a he has like a sky-high three-point percentage. He's like, he's the ultimate stretch five in the game. Um, Medyo mahina yung, depe, medyo mahina yung depensa, but he's like really an offensive weapon. And yung ano, don't, and, and I mean, like, his team, the Minnesota Timberwolves, are 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 a solid team, and he's a, he's a really quality NBA player. I don't think na kahiya na hindi mo magard si Anthony Towns, even Carl uh, Anthony Towns. I see si Cat. I think other other players would have a hard time guarding Cat. So so I I I, I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm not an expert on. Oh, kasi coaching. offensive rebounds eh, at saka turnovers, medyo patay tayo dun eh. I think dun hmm. that made the difference, but I think we're very much into the game until the first half of the fourth quarter. And oh, then, diba? so so yeah, kung ganun ka bro. It's it's a it's a good showing. It's a good showing. I mean, the nice thing about Philippine basketball naman is like in a way high stakes but low stakes kasi parang hindi eh, naman talaga tayo mananalo ng FIBA World Cup, diba? Pero uh marami tayong marami tayong madali tayong maghanap ng silver linings. That's that's the beauty of watching Philippine basketball. It's about watching silver linings because we'll never be the best, but we love the sport. Kind of, but we're kind among of, the better teams. We still make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Top, and no? but there's a kind of charm to that, diba? Yung parang hindi bulok, hindi sobrang galing, grabe yung passion. Okay na yun. Okay na yun. Nakayanggit okay. nga eh. Uh, gusto ko saan, kung nandiyan ako, manunod talaga ng FIBA. Yeah, I watch it in the mall. Mas masaya talaga when you're together with people and the excitement mm-hmm. and daming kinakabahan, yung mga shopkeepers, ayoko na manood, yung mga ganun. Like, oof, mm-hmm. and the time, it's almost 10pm na umabot. So, I know it's not the best time for you, but also here, it's kind of towards the end of the night. Oh, no. There was a time though that, Lela, we were competing for, for if not gold, at least bronze, right? And in that context, si Carlos Caloy. Uh, Loizaga was uh, recently put in the Hall of Fame. And in fact, we had his son-in-law, no less than Jano Gibbs, as one of our recent guests uh, sa Real Talk. Asa rin po kayo si, si Jano? Si Jano? Diba? Wow. Yung, yung wow. Dad ng okay. ano niya, asawa niya, di ba? So, Jano Gibbs told us his, you know, his own personal story, including, you know, when he was still, you know, getting the ball rolling and all the way. So it was a very emotional, sentimental one. And I really appreciate that. It's not just the height of Idol Jano, though. It's not Idol Jano. No, but, but seriously. It's not just the I mean, as a historian, have you looked back at those days? I mean, what made the Philippines among top three, top four teams on earth back then? Is it because of the first advantage? Actually, this week I've been reading the great book of Lou Antolihao, which is the best history of why basketball became famous in the Philippines, uh, how basketball overtook baseball, for example. Right, right. Yeah, and and he says that it was really like a, a, an urban sport. But sa tingin ko, kaya magaling yung Pilipino sa basketball early on, kasi meron din meron talagang element of nauna eh. Ay, nauna. So, yeah, first movers. Na, uh, first movers. Uh, una na-develop yung game. Um, so so that's why we were good then. And I think there there is a possibility of being great paren again. Um, but that that does mean uh 
I, I was listening to another podcast about Philippine. Yung may official NBA podcast about Philippine basketball. Eh. Um, I forget the name. Uh, I can get it to you. Or you can just Google it. But Philippine NBA, Philippine basketball. It's official NBA. And one of the arguments they made there is um, yung mga matatangkad natin, meaning yung mga whatever, nare six foot eight ganyan ten ay 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 paglalaroin mo na yan ng sentro sa Pilipinas or maybe power forward maybe they play the four the problem is sa NBA hindi yan pwedeng sentro hindi yan pwedeng power forward so what you get is people who are small for the NBA trained with center skills so the way forward is you know i i guess to essentially train them as small forwards how do you do that in the Philippines when the demand is their center it, it is there a center? Yeah. Is there a center? So, so, di, di, di ko alam. so, so really, like we should invest in our guards. And what I found out in the show na yun is that the person, the, the person who made it closest to the NBA, the person who was like invited to an NBA training camp but said no was actually a point guard, Johnny Abarientos. Johnny Abarientos was the closest pala to making it to the NBA. Di ko alam yun. Guards so, natin solid. Alas ando na. Johnny Abarientos is small, right? Pero he really dominated the league. Parang there's been there's been no Filipino MVP like Johnny Abarientos pala. Just and what of... about the um, strategy game? Because now Spain is very dominant. And at least since 10-15 years ago, uh, when you saw nahihirapan na talagang US going against Greece, Spain, or this even France. Argentina. Argentina. Definitely oh. Argentina. Many were talking about maybe it's a question of and at what point even yung mga Yugoslavia, yung mga ganyan type na countries, diba, na, which no longer exists, obviously. Um, the idea was there sh- we should approach it in a European way, that this is really a team strategy rather than relying on superstar players, which is more the American style. And the argument is the Philippines is more American style rather than European style, which spreads the burden, maximizes each of the members. What do you think about that? Essentially, strong link versus weak link strategy, if I could put in a Malcolm Gladwell. Okay. Uh, uh, or or, or what, what LeBron James says, you, know, you, you play the game the right way. And um, by that, he really means kind of like, even your stars are pass first stars so uh, you know the, the best example is the current great best player in the world um, Nikola Jokic who's who's a star but who's also a pass first star and uh, that's why LeBron admires him you know so I think like for example mga Pilipino like they see somebody like Steph Curry like I'm, I don't know you 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 I don't give the na streetball ngayon, but I I get the sense that because sikat si Steph Curry for the past few years ang gusto ng mga tao mga gusto ng mga Pinoy they'll be they'll, they'll play like Steph Curry so start titira ng tres tatakbo titira kagad ng tres um that uh, I guess that's not the way that's not that's 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 I don't I don't like that um my favorite player is LeBron James kind of pass for pass pass first star um hindi pa sikat um, but knows how to nail the jumper when needed. So I don't know. The pe- people like Nikola Jokic, people like Luka Doncic. Although major heliocentric, see Luka Doncic. That's 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 Luka Magic. Luka Magic. Oh, magic. He's I'm like he's well like he, he's like he's like he's a great passer, but he's he does kind of he does suck the air out of an offense sometimes. You see, like heliocentric. But you know, there I I I love Jokic. Um, he's a, he's a, he's fun to watch. Um. I don't know if we'll ever de- if we'll develop a kind of Jokic type pass first player, pass first superstar. I mean, they don't have that kind of Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan feels to them, right? They, they're very sober, very technical. 
ang ganda ng timing. They don't even look that athletic. You know, I, I don't know uh-huh. make white boy you can jump joke. But and then suddenly they do some crazy moves like in game with Venezuela, I think the other day. Nagsalpakan yung dalawang Venezuela. Uh-huh. So sobrang galing na magano magfake like oh, wow. but, I, but but I would say that the that the goat is like that, the greatest player of all time, not Jordan but LeBron. The the goat is pass first and is also hyper at, at, athletic. He's everything. So don't don't get me started on LeBron, my favorite yeah. one, my favorite in the world. <laughs> Right. Speaking of the, I don't know, ghosts or speaking of like, you know, the the glory days of the Philippines, let's go back to this. So now let's transition to our, you know, bread and butter, which is really political history. Oh. Go to this. Um, so before talking about the BRICS, because the BRICS recently had expansion, there's so much hype around BRICS. All the alt-right guys love BRICS. All the alt-left guys love BRICS, right? Because it's a kind of a middle finger to so-called liberal Western hegemony. All of that. But before we go into the BRICS, right? Um, one big conversation that is popping up is the BRICS is being misunderstood as a kind of a new Bandung conference, a kind of a new attempt at creating a more powerful non-aligned movement to really this time dislodge Western hegemony, which has been in charge for the past half a millennia, right? Um, and we are seeing a lot of people, especially from India, coming out very strong and saying, no way is this like another Bandung conference. Thank but- God. Thank God. And I and I want us to add to this debate because speaking of this debate, I think there are two historical individuals in the Philippines which are very relevant to understanding both the Bandung Conference and the more long-term uh, uh, way of understanding also the relevance of BRICS and where it can go right and wrong. And both with letter R, Ricarte and Romolo. And again, yeah, you're not Ricardo yet. <laughs> and to push the envelope which is what you and i always do where especially you you're more iconoclastic i'm more controversial but you're more iconoclastic i, I think for me it's more the aggressive performance. Ah, that's fair that's fair that's right? fair okay i mean that's, that's that i'm not as iconoclastic as you but i'm more aggressive so it makes it so you say mo, kupal tayo pareho, but but yours probably is at once more subtle and more deep burn <laughs> like mine I can get away with it because I'm going to charm the guy away or whatever and define ikaw talaga hoops talaga eh. like go all the pero slow burn diba? Um, going back to this Ricarte Artemio Ricarte Carlos P. Romulo two fascinating characters that I feel especially in our world academic world kind of nationalist leftist world I think have not been accorded uh, a proper place of pride right or some would say opposite of place of pride Uh, in short, what I'm arguing is that Romo, I think, and I'm very grateful to your writings, among others, on this, not to mention other writings like, you know, uh, Prashad, uh, Vijay Prashad's History of Poorer Nations. So essentially the post-colonial historical um, literature. My sense is Carlos P. Romolo has been underappreciated. Uh, yes, you know, him working for Marcos and a lot of self-promotionalism of him. Yes, you know, my, my side shangana, no question about it. But aside from his prowess as a writer and journalist and he supposed that, you know greatness as a general he he was a true champion of the post-colonial world in ways that is not appreciated and in the same way if you go to Ricarte Artemo Ricarte I wrote a piece um I mean I I said first Ricarte syndrome and I realized like yung head yata na NBI ngayon Ricarte <laughs> so ginawa kong Ricarte tragedy just in case I don't get into trouble baka mamisunderstand ako But my sense is Ricarte, there's a Camp Ricarte dito sa, I think, Batangas, Cavite. And then he he's seen as kind of the last revolutionary, which I think technically is correct. But many people don't appreciate how 
he went really off the rails. And I think Nick Joaquin captured that very well. And even Sionel Jose in his book, Vibora. So let's talk about this. The Ricardo one for me is essential. Si Vibora, di ba? So simple lang naman yung kwento ni Simple lang naman yung kwento ni Vibora, di ba? Sa mga tao na sobrang fan ni Antonio Luna because of that, you know, that pro-Duterte film, Antonio Luna. Effectively pro-Duterte film. Pre-pro-Duterte. Uh, Pre-pro-Duterte o Ah, uh, Kaya nila gustong gusto yun kasi si Luna yung tipong hindi yung sumusuko, di ba? Hindi ako susuko, isisigaw ko sa mundo para sa'yo ang laban. At, uh, sorry, I'm quoting Pacquiao. Uh, so... Yeah, you're asking. Huh? I told you talaga. Oops, talaga. <laughs> go, go, go. I love ko yung kantang yun. I love ko yung kantang yun. Lagi mo ka nakanta sa karaoke yun. So, gusto nila na hindi sumusuko. Pero si Ricarte talaga, si Ricarte has another one. And uh, hindi talaga siya sumuko. He, he, hindi siya sumuko sa Amerikano. Nagpa-exile siya rather than fight with, fight, rather than capitulate to the Americans. Eventually, bumalik si Ricarte as a confused old man alongside the invading forces of the Japanese. And he was proud to do that because he felt that he was defeating the American imperialist. So yung sinasabi mong, ano, hindi na ba Ricarte syndrome ngayon? I just put it tragedy na lang. But yeah, it is in a way. Maraming tao na galit sa EDCA at US ngayon, Uh, may pagka-Ricarte element in the sense that they're turning a blind eye to what China is doing in the same way that Ricarte not only turned a blind eye to Imperial Japan's horrific record already, already during his time, what they were doing in Manchuria, what they were doing in Korea, I mean, horrible things they were doing, right? Hindi pa kasagsagan Second World War. Alam na natin, Imperial Japan was really a horrible, uh, aggressive empire. And he was so fixated on his anti-Western, anti-American Um, uh, kind of ideology that he lost touch with 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 the reality, with the sentiment of his people. Effectively, effectively, yeah. became a he became a fascist. Uh, And makapili, of... diba? Because now, marami nagsasabi na may makapili 2.0 na daw tayo among ourselves, right? This kind of Ricardo-like figures who back in the day were strongly against the U.S. for very good reasons. I mean, the U.S. was not the best of allies and sometimes more than not uh, the best of allies uh you know the new colonialism was def- definitely reality for a very long time but uh at the same time you see these people apologizing for china if not worse and and uh, saka, meron talagang ano meron talagang through line yan um apart, so let's look at the historiography around ricarte so there's critical historiography um nikokin And then one of our other great historians, Rinaldo Eleto, is kind of he he wrote a positive kind of assessment of Ricarte in his book called Filipinos and Their Revolution. Now it's very interesting what became of um, Professor Ray Eleto, who became a supporter of Rodrigo Duterte and a supporter of Rodrigo Duterte's pivot to China policy. Yung kind of what what I see and what you see as yung katraydoran ni Tatay Digong. So. It's it's not surprising that the the that the greatest historical supporter of Ricarte is kind of now like a supporter of Duterte's pivot to China and is and is in fact the kind of historical equivalent if what what uh, what what to political writing Rigoberto Tiglao is Ray Leto is to historical writing right they, analogous share oh and they essentially share the same position this kind of pro-Duterte, anti-China, anti-Aquino, and probably now also anti-Marcos dahil nag-pro-USC si Marcos. Yeah, and, and and speaking of that, your critique of Ricarte makes perfect sense in light of 
how you also explain the nuances of people like Romulo. In fact, the more I read about how you explain Romulo, not only in your book, but also in your other writings, and the more I also read about Romulo, I kind of understand where you're coming from, where your passions are coming from. Imagine I get screen algorithm, right? Um, and, and, and so your argument is Romulo was to Asia what, I don't know, George Orwell and Leon Bloom and, and you know, the, the Camus of Europe were, right? Or those, you know, resisting Soviet communism, essentially liberal or progressive anti-communism. That's your argument, right? Because Romulo is essentially dismissed as a American lackey, supposedly, uh, Marcos lackey, even worse, right? I, probably that's even worse than being an American lackey. So there are all of these ways of dismissing uh, Romulo, not to mention, as you correctly point out, his intellectual contributions are also not very much appreciated among the mm -hmm. social sciences, international studies oh. kind of people, especially in UP, where I come from. Uh, but what you're saying is actually that guy, yes, notwithstanding all of his frailties and imperfections and vanities and questionable claims about who said what, right? And, and what he met, who she means. Medyo barbero siya sometimes. Yeah, medyo may kwentong barbero. I mean, your, your part about him meeting supposedly Ho Chi Minh or and, and the the numbers just not making sense or probably they just forgot the right year. Like natatawa na lang ako dun like yeah if he were born in our era he would have been like a social media star. Like you alam mo also because magpatawa medyo malit siya na may konting Napoleon na may Napoleon, Napoleon complex. complex. He was a, he's a, but and and he was a real he was a real charmer. Madaldal um, siya eh. So papasok ka daw sa opisina niya sa UP when he was president and lahat ng mga lahat ng kanyang mga toga from all of his honorary degrees ganun nakapalibot na. In your face daw. Uh, tapos tapos papasok ka tapos and he and he would crack a lot of like dirty jokes, yung ganung kind of tito jokes. And uh, so he had this reputation of being a dilettante and then yung kanyang intellectual contributions laging siya challenge because ang dami niyang ghostwriters. And, you know, we know now that his... As a fact or as a... Talaga may ghostwriters siyang marami? Yeah, marami siyang ghostwriters. So, you know, his ghostwriters were some of the finest intellectuals of the time. You know, Salvador P. Lopez, of course, being the the, mo the, the primary ghostwriter. Na, like, like a real hero of mine. So medyo ambiguous yung... I know, I know. Medyo morally ambiguous si ano. Medyo morally ambiguous yung admiration ko for, for Romulo. Medyo less ambiguous yung admiration ko for Lopez. So, you know, S.P. Lopez was a kind of ghostwriter. Cesar Mahul was a ghostwriter. Um, I think maybe even Odi Corpus for, for a bit. So talagang, you know, like luminaries, magagaling talaga magsulat. So no wonder, you know, Romulo's intellectual output was so fine because he he had ghostwriters. I mean, very similar to his boss, Ferdinand Marcos. Kaya ganda ng intellectual output kasi tatalino ng mga people um, that surrounded him. But I think um, yung core ideas ni Romulo are his, um, even though he had a lot of ghostwriters write those ideas. And yung core idea niya is that is 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 actually quite simple, which is when we talk about non-alignment, a lot of people, when they talk about non-alignment, and this is both the left and the right, when they look about look at the Bandung Conference, which is the moment that 1953 in Indonesia, the moment when third worldism as a concept started, um, at least intellectually, they think about it as, both the left and the right, huh? they think about it as an assault. Right? 1955. Ah, 55, sorry, sorry, 53. Um, um, they think about it as an assault on the West, in quote, assault, in quotes, assault on the West. I find that to be intellectually dishonest because 
if it's just an assault on, on the West, why is it non-alignment and why is it a third way? Dalawa yung inaatake mo. So on the one hand, you are attacking Western imperialism, but you are also attacking Soviet communism. And that is why it's a third way. That is why it's the third world. That is why it's non-aligned. And Romulo saw it that way. Romulo saw it as a capacious space, as a capacious space between the West and communism. And he he rightly, and this is very rare, I think, at the time among third world nations, he rightly drew a parallel between imperialism, Western imperialism in Asia and Soviet imperialism in Eastern Europe. And we know now, diba, that that was clearly imperialism. You know what happened in Poland, diba? So solidarity, of course, Hungary. is a movement that re in Hungary. Solidarity, of course, in Poland is a movement that exposed that, in fact, that indeed, like, the Soviet Union was an imperialist power. And of course, as you say, in the 50s, the occupation of of Hungary and Romulo was 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 uh, was attuned to this and 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 saw the double critique of the West and the, the Soviet communism as a capacious space. So so when we talk about itong BRICS ngayon, nas ang tanong ko lang doon, nasaan, how can it be in an alignment when there does not seem to be a double critique, right? There's not like it would be non-aligned if the position was like neither China nor the U.S. I, I think that would be a kind of genuine non-alignment, right? Which is if, more assume which that more the, ASEAN, right? the U.S. and China. I think ASEAN has a better potential of doing that, although unfortunately, many oh, no? yeah, I think in theory, ASEAN. Pero kang BBM to cancel him out. Okay, yeah. Pero yun nga, yun, sa ASEAN. Eh. <laughs> Actually, yung ASEAN, hindi nga third way because like, on the one hand, meron kang Hunsen unambiguously anti-China, ah, pro-China. And then meron kang Pilipinas na unambiguously pro-America. So, I, I don't know. <laughs> no, but we can talk about ASEAN shortly. But let's go back to this. I, I want to talk a little bit more about Romulo. Can you tell us in what ways was Romulo uh, really underappreciated, especially in terms of championing the cause of what he called the smaller nations. No, um, of course there was that supposed dialogue with the Russian ambassador to the United Nations when he was the president of General Assembly. But more importantly, even on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, he he insisted on the rights of Palestinian people, which is very interesting and I think very underappreciated, especially among yeah. lefty progressive circles. Uh, how he was very critical of. Uh, you know, U.S. backing very brutal regime, DM regime in southern uh, Vietnam. That was really ahead of time. He was also very attuned to what was happening in the Korean War, where he saw the brutality of both communist China and 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 Russia. So very interesting. I mean, this is a guy who's brilliant journalist. He's keeping up with things. He's very nuanced in his diplomacy. But in terms of his actual advocacy, including in the, the classified documents, but yung mga kanong galit sa kanya, di ba? Kasi pesky siya eh. He was really... Oh, pesky siya he, and he could afford to be to criticize the US dahil malinaw naman yung pro US record niya nobody was going to suspect him of being a communist diba he he landed on later with MacArthur paano mo tatawagin anti US yan so so he used that to his advantage um so he he was like capacious in his in his in his in his criticism for example nga yung Israel diba um America had an unambiguous policy of backing kind of the state of Israel but Romulo was critical of how it was conceived. Um, I know this is a very sensitive issue. 
but uh, I'm just going to talk about it from Romulus perspective. He said that the state had the possibility of becoming a kind of state where you had second-class citizens by the way it was being designed. You know today, of course, that Arab Israelis are practically, are really second-class citizens within that state. And then, of course, At you best. know... Uh, it is it is it is effectively now a kind of colonial power in in the Middle East, right? So, uh, I he was very critical of how Israel. He wasn't he wasn't like critical of having a state there. He was very critical of how it was being conceived as a state, and he thought that it was laying the 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 predicate for for a kind of discrimination, which you know you really see today. Um, in overrule ni Magsaysay because Magsaysay got a call from the White House or the State Department and called Romulo and said, Romy, palitan mo. Wala kang magawa. Presidente yun eh. But yung instincts niya was really for colonized people, even the colonized people that the United States was not necessarily supporting at that time. Yeah. And of course, I think this episode would not be complete if we don't talk about his, I don't know how apocryphal or accurate this is, the exchange with Jawaharlal Nehru the Ayung, you, oh, guy of the Bandung Conference, the most oh, okay. the leaders of the 20th century, right? Conference kasi binabara ni Romulo si Zhao and Lai. And alam naman, totoo na, totoo na, totoo na binara talaga niya si Zhao, Zhao and Lai. Um, in fact, yung, there, there's a famous quote from Romulo in Bandung. Sabi niya, Zhao and Lai was acting like he read Dale Carnegie's um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Kasi Romulo correctly believed that it was a kind of influence operation. Speaking of Chinese influence operations, you can, you can talk about that later later on. And and he felt like, wala pa ang Sino-Soviet split at that time. He felt like walang karapatan si Zhao Enlai to be there because he wasn't really non-aligned. You know, he was there uh, essentially to soft-sell communism to the third world. And along with, I think, other South Asian leaders, South Asian leaders, talagang Romulo tore, tore into Nehru. And napahiya si Nehru kasi he, he expected a friendly audience in Bandung. He didn't realize a Filipino doon na, tata, na tatablahin siya. And at that time, Nehru was kind of against uh, what Romulo was doing. But sabi daw ni Romulo, um, nung matanda na si Nehru close to his death, at nakita sila, sabi niya, you know, uh, Romulo, you, you, Carlos, or Rom, I don't know if he called General. it General. Uh, general, 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 general. general. Oh. And when he was his having his own problem with his his own Maoists, <laughs> they had their they have and they had they had and they have their Maoists also. Sabi niya, uh, Romulo, uh, Romulo, general, you were right, you were right. So we don't and, know. And if it's, of course, the Chinese invasion of Romulo. This is the nineteen sixty two war, right? Of Chinese invasion of uh, invasion of 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 India, piercing through the Himalayas, and based on some of the. Uh, studies I saw actually China was in a position to march all the way to New Delhi if they wanted. Except oh, you know, yes, it was so oh. decisive. Now, had China decided to go all the way to New Delhi and put I don't know, a puppet regime, they could have done that. Uh, they were really in a position to do that. Remember, there's a Dalai Lama also aspect to this. So uh, that's why this was really painful for, for Nero because he was not the same man. He was not regarded in the same way. He was no longer the Jawaharal. Jawahar comes from the word uh, di- like uh, a precious stone or diamond uh, in, in Persian. So so was it uh, apocryphal or uh, is, was there a, uh, evidence to show that they actually caught up in New Delhi towards the end of Sorry about that. I'm like bringing ghosts. Uh, no, I mean this. I mean, I just like I have to check my footnotes. I have to check my footnotes, and I'll do that eventually. Pero um, 
all I can say is that with Romulo, hindi, hindi ka talaga sigurado kung totoo or hindi. Kasi nga, he, he, he was a guy who was for pulling, for pulling people's legs. And he loved a good story. I think it's like, it's not that Romulo was a compulsive liar. It was just that he wanted to tell the best it's, version of the story. Aesthetics uh, matter to uh, him uh, more than uh, factual accuracy. Uh, Let's put it. He wanted to tell the best yeah. version. Parang kung if you were a writer of, uh, if 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 you were a biographer of Trump, he's more like Michael Wolf type. I would say. Let's say. You know, like the Washington Post guys or something like, like you know, like I like I like Michael Wolff accounts of Trump. It's actually more accurate to me, though, uh, in terms of capturing the ridiculousness of the Trump administration. Because uh, the other biography, parang respectable po si Trump, like no, no, just take this guy seriously. He's crazy. Ang inspiration, ang inspiration ko writing that Romulo chapter was yung chapter ni Rizil Mohares on Pedro Paterno because si Rizil, si Pedro Paterno mas barbero pa yun kaysa kay Romulo. Um, he, you I know, he would make things, for example, like, you know, meron ng Christianity sa Pilipinas prior to the Spaniards arriving. He would make claims na his family was ancient nobility, equivalent to the ancient nobility of Europe. Italiano. Uh, may pagkataliano vibes. Uh, may pagkakose Marco vibes. Si, and, so uh, what I wanted to do was kind of similar na parang amidst the kabarberuhan and amidst the apocryphal stuff, merong parang core message that is obscured or that people forget because they're laughing at all this kabar- kabarberuan. And I think yung capacious middle of third worldism, that was the core message of Romulo. And and the way he thought about that as inherently Asian, not not necessarily as just you know a product of uh you the US and the Philippines as a possible venue for Asian solidarity. I think that's that's a that's a great core message that we can keep returning to. Thank you for that, uh, Lele. I think we should just uh, close the first episode on that. We'll discuss further bricks in a separate episode. Thank you very much, Lele, for joining us. Well, actually, not us. We're, we, this is together. So thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Period. <laughs>